Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. All right. All right. What's up? It's Danny J. J. <laughs> you were going to say Danny Drizzle yeah, again. I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just your name from now on. And this oh is uh, Jill Coleman. And welcome to another episode of the Best Life Podcast. And uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, you know what? We need a new intro. We're like, this is Danny Jizzle and this is J- Jill Jizzle. Coleman, aka Jillionaire. <laughs> <laughs> we do need a new the one. The Jillionaire. Um, okay. Before we even get into the episode, I wanted to tell you this and I'll just tell the people. So I was so proud of Beasley. And I remember when Pip did this, where we were like sitting around and Pip just put herself to bed. Like she just goes into her crate and lay down and we're like, oh my God, she put herself. Well, literally maybe no nine days ago, this bitch went to bed and she was crying all night. She just wanted to be with us. A part of the problem was we, we traveled and we let her sleep in the bed with us, but then at home mm. she's in the crate. So she was crying and I was like, fuck, we messed her up because now she thinks she can sleep in bed with us. There was one night where I just like let her cry, but I hardly slept the whole night. I was exhausted. Then the very next day we we're just watching TV. We were winding down. She gets up off the couch and she just walks right into her crate and lays down. And I was like, what? I like had to whisper. I'm like, wait, what's she doing? And she has done that now eight nights in a row, every single night, right before bed, she just gets up and puts herself to bed. Aww. And I'm so proud of her <laughs> and she's been sleeping good through the night. girl. Finally. Yeah. Pip puts herself to bed all the time. She just like, but she won't go downstairs. She's like anti-social man. Yeah. I love it around us. I was like, it is funny. She's actually been kind of anti-social too. In the morning she snuggles in the night. She's anti-social. She's like, leave me alone. So anyway, I wanted to say that (laughs) because I was girl, it's uh, you turn the corner. (laughs) Did turn the corner. Yeah. Um, so we have, uh, Connor, Jill's brother is in town and had some ideas and wanted to provide some context. So you want to share that? Yeah. So we've been having a couple of conversations. He's been here for a few days and we had a conversation um, about his work, what he does for work. He uh, oversees the construction of, for a company, it's a kind of a startup and they uh, construct centers for uh, like daycare centers for autistic kids. And he was telling me that the first year they worked for them, they had like, I think they built like 17 centers. And then last year they built 33 centers. And this year they're building a hundred centers in one year as a small business, like as a company. And he was basically saying that their whole thing, which is their big thing that they rely on is that there's no wait lists. And within the autistic community, I think this is really rare. I think for a lot of times, you know, for, you know, parents who have autistic children who they're trying to get into a daycare center or school or something, it's like a six month wait or a 12 month wait or something. So their mm-hmm. big thing is no weights, but that also means that they're building these centers very quickly. And he's sort of overseeing the whole process from start to finish. So he was kind of saying, you know, um, I'm managing a lot of people and he's like, it's been a lot of work and he's kind of recognizing that he's feeling a little burned out, but he's not sure if that just makes him kind of soft. Like, I mean, and that, I think that's a little bit of a dude thing, but he was like, I'm not sure if that makes me soft or how do you know when you're pushing too hard or when you should keep pushing through 
or when you just need to change your circumstances? Like, do you just keep pushing through? So basically he was saying that there hasn't, there's not a ton of relief. Like you build the center when it's done and then there's just another one you have to build. So it's not, I don't know, like you and I can testify to like in our business, we work really hard on like a launch or like we're, you know, doing something that's a big project. And then at some point the launch is over, right? You close the cart. And I'm like, peace out. I got to take a two week vacation, you know? So there is these sort of lights at the end of the tunnel. There's this feeling of like, yes, I'm working hard really right now and I'm getting drained right now, but I know at some point it's going to be over. And so how do you manage something like this? And how do you know when you're not pushing hard enough or maybe Mm -hmm. when you're pushing uh, too hard? Yeah, I, I really can relate to this. And I feel like there's gotta be, I don't think you're first off. I don't think there's being too soft, but I think there is a a time to question how long can you sustain this level of activity and pushing because like you can sprint, uh, around a track once or twice, but you're not gonna be able to sprint a marathon. You can get a good pace to run a marathon. Like that's why you have like pacing groups, right? So you could pace it. You're not going to be able to run at your fastest for 26 miles. You have to pace yourself. So I think if he knows that this is coming up, he's got to figure out a way to pace himself. And it can be really hard if it's so, so intense. Um, my boyfriend working for a startup right now, and he's going through some similar, just a lot of long hours and super crazy hiring. And it's like things get fall by the back burner, like your health, you're eating, you're skipping meals. You're not going to the gym. These kinds of things are happening. And at some point you start resenting. You're like, I can never do anything. I don't have a life anymore. I'm working so much. And you might want to quit. You know, you're like, I got to find another job. I got to do something else because maybe the money is good, but it's not worth it anymore. And so there is a time and place where I think you need to either know when is the, and when is, when is the light of the end of tunnel coming? And if it's not, how can you find relief or get support during this time of things going crazy? And I think it is really important to like trust that you can take breaks. I think sometimes it's scary when there's so much momentum, you feel like you can't stop. You can't shut down. You can't turn off your computer. You can't turn off your phone. You can't step away because if you do, there's suddenly a fire to put out. And so you got to stand on top of it. And I don't think that's true. I think, um, it is really, really important. And I don't think you could show up as your best unless you take those breaks. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you might have to just shut the phone off, step away for a little bit and come back and pick up the messes instead of trying to stay on top of it because you're at such a heightened state of stress and cortisol that you're going to, you will burn yourself out. Like you'll end up in the hospital. You'll end up getting injured. You'll end up, you know, gaining 50 pounds. Something is going to give at some point. So, um, I don't think he's being soft. I think, you know, you do have to ask yourself, how long can I sustain this or how will I be able to, and how, what can I build into my life to add support? Do I need more sleep? Do I need to ask my boss for vacation? Do I need to ask my boss that we need to hire someone else to take on some extra load? Um, I know even for me personally, I've been working with a client and he's very intense and we have a lot of crazy deadlines. And there are certain times where I'm just like, I'm not doing this shit right now. I will stay up till two, three in the morning to get something done. And then at some point I'm like, no, I'm going to get my sleep. And it's like, shit's just not going to happen. And so I think that you do have to put yourself first, put your health first. You don't necessarily have to just quit and stop, but if you push yourself long enough, too hard, long enough and far enough, you probably just will. So it's like, what can you do now? So you can sustain this because you cannot sustain high intensity, 
long days, long hours, neglecting yourself for an extended period of time without having some kind of consequence. Yeah, no, I actually, I really agree with that. And one of the things we actually did an episode, I think on like productivity, and we talked a little bit about things like energy management. And it kind of reminds me of like, we used to teach this class, my ex-husband and I called metabolic effect. And it was a 30 minute workout class. And part of what it was, was it had this feature that was called rest-based training Mm -hmm. and rest-based training basically was like, the more you rest and the, the harder you rest, the harder you can push. So I think sort of what we're speaking to is just the general, I don't know, American way of doing shit, which is work hard all the time, but only work at 50% all the time, right? Because to your point, if someone tells you go out and sprint a marathon, you're immediately going to pace. You have to, right? Because you know, you're going to be doing 26 miles versus someone goes out and says sprint hundred yards. You're going to go, yeah, all out. Imagine if someone just said, okay, Danny, just go sprint. That's it you have no idea how long you're going to be sprinting, right. Or anything like that. And so rest-based training was like, the more you rest, the harder you can push. And I think that's sort of what we're talking about is like, if you're having to just sustain a pace with no breaks in sight, you're going to naturally pace and your, your effort and your ability uh, to do good work is going to suffer versus if you, I don't know, take one day a week off or you take, I don't know, like maybe you take a, a long weekend once a month and you're just like, for these three days, I'm not available. Chances are you're going to come back to your work and be focused and be like zeroed in and be like really ready to be pro- productive. But if you're working every single day and you have to be on your phone every single day, you're going to, like you said, resent it. And also you're not going to do good work. You're not going to be focused. You're going to be super distracted. You're going to be super run down. And so I think having strategic rests or strategic downtimes in your week or in your day, or even once a month. So actually my, my mentors, Rachel and Alan Cosgrove, they do something once a month called mellow yellow. They obviously own their own business, but mellow yellow week is a week that they just take off. Like they just don't go into work. And it doesn't mean that they're not maybe posting on social media and doing some of that stuff, but they like, sometimes they'll go travel somewhere. Sometimes they'll go and like have a staycation at home, but every month they take a week off. Now, I think not everyone needs to take a full week off every single month, but I know that Brendan Burchard, who's obviously someone who's very high performer, he and his wife do a long weekend getaway at once a quarter, non-negotiable. And then I think he does like a, like a maybe, or maybe that's once a month or something. And then like once a quarter, it's like a week long thing. And I think you have to have these little lights at the end of the tunnel to get yourself to perform at a higher level. And so if you have a job that seemingly never ends, you're going to have to figure out a way to, to take downtime. And to your point, you know, it was one of the things that I wanted to suggest this to Connor was like, can you bring someone else in to help with some of this smaller decision stuff? So you don't need to be constantly drained by text messages, people needing you all day long. Is there someone that can buffer that so that they can manage the team and you can make the big high level decisions? And so he kind yeah. of was like, well, maybe, but that's it's startup culture. So a lot of times it's just like everyone is burning a candle at both ends. It's crazy with startup culture. And I've really seen this. It's, it's another piece of this that can be tricky is you might see the end of the tunnel and then it gets pushed. So it's, it's almost like the finish line keeps moving. And that's when you really start to find the burnout. I've um, been with Jeff during this startup where it's been 
it's two weeks, it's two weeks, it's two weeks. And this, this finish line just keeps moving and moving and things keep getting changed. And it's so stressful. And at this point I'm kind of like, Hey, listen, let's just assume everything is two years instead of two weeks. And let's just shift how, like your, as Jerry says, relax. Yeah. Like relax, relax into, into it. it. So we're going to relax into it now because that high level of stress. And so maybe for Connor too, if it started off as, you know, five centers, 17 centers and 33 and then hundred. So let's just say next we we've seen this progression next year might be 250. So he's got to go, all right, this is the pace that's happening. So I got to relax into it because this shit is not slowing down. So it's, it's tricky when you feel like there is this, the finish line and the finish line moves. And you're like, I was good. I had enough energy to get here, but now I'm like, oh my God, I got to do it again. And even the mental energy thinking about how you have to do that all over again is going to fuck you up. So it's that place where, and you know, I did the the Ted talk on starting over sometimes that starting over, it's more about the mental energy of you're just like, Oh my God, I have to do this all over again. But the truth is you have experience, you have systems, you have ideas that worked before. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily, the things that you did for the first like 17 buildings or whatever you did to start aren't necessarily the things you have to do to continue, but you do have to get your mind right. And you do have to pace yourself and relax into it because you know, now that finish line is not necessarily the finish line you thought it was going to be. So you have to do things differently. Like if you like Jill's example, if somebody says just sprint and doesn't say sprint for how long you're going to run differently. If somebody just says like, here's the finish line, you could see it 20 feet in front of you. You can run as fast as you want, but if they just say sprint and you go, okay, when do I stop? They're just like, I'll tell you when to stop. Well, fuck, <laughs> that's a, that's a mind fuck too. That's what we should do as personal trainers. Did you ever yeah, do <laughs> totally. They're like, how long? I'm like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's totally a mind fuck because then totally. you're going, do I push really hard or do I hold back? And most of us will hold back. But unfortunately, if you knew there was a finish line, you push really hard and the finish line moves. Now you're like, oh my God, I can't keep this up. So I think it's also a mindset shift where you have to go, okay, there is no finish line now. So I'm going to have to pace this back a little bit and get more systems and get more support, get more help. And that also includes, maybe you were doing it all yourself. Maybe you were a startup culture or whatever it is you're doing all yourself. You have to start asking for support. And if that's not in your job, like just for Connor's example, he can't ask for support in his, his job. Maybe he needs to ask for support at home, or maybe he needs to hire somebody to do the extra stuff at home. That's not like, Hey, I'm going to hire someone to do the laundry or take care of the car or clean the house or things that are taking up mental space elsewhere. So he can focus more at work. Cause there's just two. In fact, recently, literally, (laughs) um, this was two days ago, I was doing the dishes, putting the dishes away and all this. And I was like, you know what? I wish I just had somebody to come into my house for two hours a day just to do the laundry, the dishes and like clean up and cook the meals. Like just that would help because it literally takes up an extra 45 to two, 45 minutes to two hours of my day where I could be doing something else, but I'm not mentally able to focus on my work when the shit is over there in the kitchen. And so there might be certain things like that, where you might need to offload other tasks in your life so that you can focus on the important ones. And mm-hmm. that might be where you need to ask for help and support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And that's so true. And it all comes down to like, you can't do all things well yeah. all the time. And the last thing I'll say on this is if you know that it's going to be like this enormous mountain, right? So it's interesting in research in this positive psychology research, they actually show that the number one emotion that people feel when they get to the top of the climb, right? So they're working towards something, working towards something, whether it's, you know, business or whatever, you have a goal in mind and you're working towards it and you finally achieve it. 
number one emotion is not happiness. It's relief. Relief. (laughs) It's relief. And actually you have a lot of people who have a big dream and have achieved it. And they actually say they feel depressed because they're going, I spent so many years and so much energy with this goal in mind that now that I've achieved it, I feel listless. Like what, what is like, what's the point? I have no meaning anymore. So with that being said, there is value in progress or there is value in the climb. However, if you know, you're going to be on a climb for a long time. And we see this with online business owners. If you're just getting started, you can't hate the process. Like you just can't like you get your mind, right? You go, okay, I know it's going to be a grind. I know I'm going to have to work at this. I know it's probably going to take me a year or two to get to that point that I want to get to. How can I like it now? And Mm. so I think that's also a good thing to remember. Like if there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel for a good amount of time, you got to figure out how to like it now. So what does that look like? And to your point, Danny, maybe it looks like someone helping you with the chores or someone helping you with like the lawn, like whatever, but also build in, can you have more fun at your job? Right. Is there, I don't know, can you guys put a ritual in place for like every Thursday night, there's a happy hour or something. Is there a game night? You know, is there like, is there a team retreat? Is there something fun that we can look forward to while we're working so hard towards a goal? So I think the last piece of that is like, you have to make this enjoyable on some level. If there's no end in sight, like you got to fucking figure out a way to love this because that there's a huge difference between doing something hard and doing something that makes you miserable. And if you're just do out here doing something that makes you miserable all the time, you're a fucking martyr. You just are right. So, but if you know, you're working towards something that has a big meaning, like obviously, you know, there's a huge purpose element to what Connor's creating. You have to figure out a way to like the, the journey too, right? It can't just be all about the, the end result. Mm, I loved that so much. Like just the game night or something like making it fun along the way. I think that was something that I got to with my, this client I've been working with. Um, I actually had a talk with him. I was in Tulum and we were running a challenge and he was super high stress about it. And I was working on pages. I'm like, I'm in Mexico. His energy is stressing me out. And then I was like, I'm allowing this. So I called him and I was just like, Hey, however you want to do this is fine, but I'm going to have fun with it and I'm going to enjoy it. And we're going to just like make this fun because I cannot have this stressful, high anxiety. Everything is falling down that, you know, the sky is falling down. And I was like, I'm just going to shift my energy about it. And I'm going to have fun with it. Like, this is going to be a blast instead of stressing out. So you can literally decide like, Hey, this is going to be fun. It's going to be difficult. It is hard, but doesn't have to be miserable. And so it can come down to decision. Sometimes it's not always that easy, but see if there's ways you can gamify it, make it fun, make a competition, even um, just ways to make it more bearable. So you're not just fucking miserable. Cause this is like, this is life. This is your life. And if this is your job, like you're, <laughs> you're, you're hating your life. If you hate your job and your job is your life, you hate your life. And then what do you have at the end of the day to show for anything? Totally. You're just, Yeah. So, and no amount of money is going to be worth that. It just won't. Even if, even if you're like at the end of this, we're going to make $10 million, even that amount, even like whatever amount for you is like the pinnacle of like rich, even that amount at some point, you'll be like, it wasn't even fucking worth it. It wasn't worth it. Nope. It just wasn't like, nope. There's definitely amounts of money where I'm like, it's not worth it anymore. Just can't do that. It's just, if I'm miserable, like this amount of money is not even worth it. And there is a certain amount of money where you're just like, nope, (laughs) Nope. $10 million. Like take it. it. I will rather, I would rather live with 50,000 a year than that. You know, like there really is totally. a certain amount. 
So no, it's a good one. Yeah. And I think that is, again, like you said, if you're hating your job, you're probably going to hate your life, especially if your job is your life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I don't think there's like a hard and fast answer, but it sounds like this cannot keep going at this pace and with this energy at all. So, um, I don't know if this is useful to you guys, but if you've noticed these moments and I love what Danny just said about like, if you're going to go in and work hard at something, it can't be stressful, right? Like figure out a way to do all the things. Like, I don't really think that stress is a huge motivator. I think it's a a good short-term motivator, right? Like, oh shit, like fuck this. Like if you're procrastinated, like I am, you know, having a little of a little bit of heat under your ass makes you like get the shit done. Right. But I think operating constantly in stress, not only is that terrible for you, obviously physiologically, but it's just not fun. And then you're just like, why am I doing this actually? So that was actually one of the questions I asked Connor. I was like, he's, he's 27. I was like, do you need to be, cause I was like, what do you work 60 hours a week? He's like, oh, more than that. I was like, mm. are you making a million dollars? What are you, what right. are you doing right. that job? So I think, you know, at some point, I think that's the question is like, you know, do you, is there, you know, what do you do for them? Something like that. I, I think the last piece of this is like, the question is when do you quit? When do you walk away? Um, how long do you tolerate it? I think this is a personal thing. Like if you think there is a big, if there's like a, let's say it's a startup and there's a buyout and you're like, okay, we hit this milestone and we're going to make 5 million. I can push through for three more years and I'm out. If you know, there's an out, you know, there's a certain thing you can try to push through it. If there's not an out, if it's an extended thing. And if you are being, so I, I worked for the city, uh, for a couple of years before I started training and I was miserable because of the way people were being treated, the way I was being treated. I felt like there was abuse. There was just lack of respect. So I felt like even if I could try to make my, my actual job was good, but how I felt around how I was being treated was not okay. There's, I would ask yourself this, like, is the job cool? The people I'm with working, like if the relationships suck too, if like the job is great, but people treat you shitty and you feel like you feel like a dog shit and people are talking down to you and you're being micromanaged and that like, maybe at that point it's time to go. If you can find another job doing something you like similar and be treated better then go for that. If you're like, I'm around great people. This is really good. It's just high stress because it's fast moving and it's intense, but we can do it together. Then maybe that's when you stay and you stick it out. So you have to ask yourself too, like, how are you being treated and how are your relationships around there? Because you're also, you're it's not just your life, but it's also those relationships. And if you don't feel like people are treating you well, I would say that's a big reason to go no matter the paycheck as well. Yeah. You have I, to ask yourself, like, am I just yeah. a martyr? Right. At some point you have to ask yourself, yeah. like, am I just a martyr? Like if I'm getting like abused and like, yeah, you know, it's like, there's, I remember one of my first mentors said that to me, he goes, you know, people say in bad relationships, there's a reason why they do. They're getting something out of it too. Yeah, you know, yeah. so you think about it like that. It's like, what is, you know, what is someone getting out of something? Do they just get to say that they're the busiest person? I know for me, when I was a personal trainer, that was a huge badge of honor to me. I remember being yeah. the first at the gym, the last to leave at night, like working the most hours. I prided myself on that while I was also complaining about it, <laughs> so yeah. complaining about it, but I was also really in a way proud of it. Cause it made me, gave me a sense of self-worth and importance or whatever. And so if you're staying in a bad situation and you keep complaining about it, just realize, just have that awareness, right? To me, you have to do something right. The second that the awareness that like, what are you potentially, this is called the secondary benefit. Like what's the secondary benefit of this? Like, why are, are you staying there? Something about it you're getting out of as well. So not, sometimes- there's jobs, there's jobs out there. Yeah. I think sometimes people think that there's not, I just like relationships, like nobody else is out there. Mm. I think people can get 
trapped into thinking this is the only job that they can make this amount of money or do this thing. So I was coaching gymnastics and, and I worked with some coaches where, you know, like it's a very small world and they talk shit a lot about the other gyms. And I just, there was a lot going on there. I finally went to another gym and I was so terrified to go to this other gym. And when I told my boss, I was quitting, she ripped me a new one. But when I went to this new gym, I was like this sigh of relief, like, wow, this is what it could be like coach. Like I loved coaching, but I was miserable with the management and leadership there. When I changed, still got to coach somewhere else. And there was a shift in how I was treated. It was like, oh my God, it was just this big weight lifted, but I was so terrified to go elsewhere because my bosses had talked so much shit about all the other gyms in the area that I believed that, that they were shitty. And until I finally got the guts to do it, but I think it's, you have to like, it's like leaving a bad relationship. You have to get the guts to do it and believe that there's someone else out there for you. Yeah. I mean, to your point, there is this feeling of like, I'm going to have to start over again. What's it called? Yeah. Some, the, the sunk cost fallacy mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. like you've already put in so yeah. much towards this vision, you know, or towards this mission or towards this relationship that you're like, yeah, do I really want to leave now? Do I really mm-hmm. want to, or do I want to see it through? Right. And this is like, yeah. a, this is like a bad relationship where someone goes, but the potential though, yeah. right. Yeah. Like, and at some point you have to just be like, you've been saying you're staying in this relationship because they have potential for three years now. Right. Yeah. Like when's that going to come to fruition? So obviously it's a choice that everyone has to make for themselves. And like we always say, you'll know when you know, like, I think you have to mm-hmm. go through a little bit of the shitty stuff. Like, I think you, you know, and I'm, I'm a big fan of like, have the full experience. Like, you know, for you with the city and it was me with my uh, full-time job in my twenties, you know, I wanted to leave for a good year probably. And then when it was time, I just was like, yep, today's my last day. Literally. It was like, that was it. It was just like, so as long as it's sort of like, it's on your radar, I tell this to my clients all the time. If you're even thinking about leaving, you will at some point, you don't have to force Mm -hmm. it. You'll just know, like you just one day, one tiny thing will happen. And you're like, I'm fucking out. So I don't think you have to rush it. I don't think you need to force a decision. I think you need to, if you're having a conversation, you're staying aware, you'll know when you know, and it'll, and you'll just be like, yep, it was the right decision. Maybe I'm a little scared because I'm not sure what's on the other side of this, right? The unknown is a little bit scary, but you figure it out, especially so at 27, true. so much time. Well, you're so right about, you know, when you know too, because if you're going down the burnout road at some point, your body's going to say, Tell it's you. done, you're over. So yep. it's either you choose it when it's time, you know, or your body's going to choose it for you. That is so fucking true. <laughs> So there you go. I don't know how helpful this was, but, um, yeah, it was a great, uh, topic. Thanks, Connor. That is, it's great. And you give us a luck. couple of other little ones too. So maybe we can riff on those in the future. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank y'all have a great week, weekend, wherever you are in the week. And please leave us a review. If you can, uh, scroll down click on the stars. And then once you click five stars, it will let you leave a review and just share with folks what you love about the podcast or what you hate about it. I don't know, but share with us about the podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, even if you hate it, just give us five stars anyway. And then just write a bunch of shit in the comments. Cause nobody reads it. <laughs> I know, totally you know we, we get a lot of really awesome DMs from people just being like, I love the show so much, or like I learned so much. So whatever you DM us, go ahead and put it on the public reviews. That would be incredible. And it would be so awesome for people who are potentially looking for a podcast to hear what it's like. You guys always tell us that we make you feel normal, that we are real, uh, that we are funny, whether you're laughing at us or with us, <laughs> we don't know. And we, and we kind of don't really care either because we, we laugh at, at ourselves as well. So thank you guys for being here as usual. Thank you so much for giving us your time and attention and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye guys. Bye.